everybody, this is David Steinman, writer-director of Santa Slay, and you're listening to the Horror Squad Podcast. to the horror squad podcast this is episode number 257 tonight we're talking about christmas bloody christmas which is currently streaming on shutter i'm one of your co-host todd we have steve we have joe and we have a special interview after this episode joe who we got yeah well first of all happy holidays merry christmas everyone our very special christmas episode and in honor of that we have a very special treat for you guys as we were able to find David Steinman, the director of Santa Slay, uh, which of course we reviewed a couple weeks back. Yeah, the only movie he ever directed, ever written. So yeah, I mean, we were able to find him over on Twitter. The guy, you know, obviously has been kind of in seclusion all these years, but we were able to pull him out and interview him. Uh, It was a great interview, a lot of great behind the scenes stuff. And with the making of Santa Slay, so definitely stay tuned. It's a super, super good interview. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Joe went to a lot of trouble. He went digging in the woods and stuff, and it was like a Saddam Hussein situation where he found a hole and he dug him out. He was all dirty <laughs> and like had a giant ear. Is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so good on Joe for finding him. No, David was friggin' awesome. I can't wait for you guys to hear that uh, interview. Fantastic interview. Uh, he had a lot to, you know, it's not uh, like our usual interviews where they got 15 minutes and they're doing like back to back to back interviews with a bunch of people. Like, I don't think he's talked about this movie for a while. That's the impression I got anyway. So he was like psyched about it and it was, it really came off and it was awesome. So at the end of the episode, definitely something to stay for. Yeah, so you guys cool. got your, all cool, your uh, holiday stuff ready for the big, the big weekend coming up? No, I still got packages arriving every day and. You know, you got the porch pirates out in full swing. So that's a good time of the year uh, for package thieves. So watch out for that. But no, not at all. What about you guys? Uh, no, not really. I haven't even done any Christmas shopping yet. But, you know, we're not going anywhere. 19th, Joe. <laughs> you know how bad <laughs> well, it is out there? Well, like Sam's already done because I bought her her presents like pre-Christmas, you know. So, yeah. And then my family, I'm not seeing them until after Christmas. So I'm probably just going to shop post Christmas for everyone pretty much. And like I said, I, I do pretty much gift cards for everyone. And then my parents, I'm taking them to the Beatles tribute band this summer. So I'll be their Christmas present. So yeah, I'm pretty much covered. That's awesome. Uh, I'm actually done pretty much. So I'm super psyched about it. I have like one gift left to buy because as we are wrapping, I'm like, okay, maybe this person needs like a little extra little something. Cause her, it's, it's one of those things where it's my two nieces and, you know, you have to be like super like fair to them. You know, one of them had a little bit more gifts than the others and I didn't want to get that perception out there. But other than that, pretty good. So I'm just focusing on watching 2022 movies for our big episode next week. Um, it's not too late to send us your lists. Well, it's almost too late. So if, if you hear this this episode and you haven't sent your list in, probably send it uh, as quick as possible. I think it's going to be fun. I think there are a lot of different opinions this year. Uh, I don't think our lists will be that similar like they usually are. So. I'm pretty psyched about it, to be honest. Yeah, I just wrapped mine up today. I'm done watching movies. <laughs> you are. I yeah. I got I got like five more I want to hit. 
I'm going to, we're actually going to go to the theater tomorrow to see the menu. Cause I've seen it on so many people's top 10 lists and obviously it's hasn't hit VOD yet or anything. So I'm like, all right, let's make the trek out to the theater and, and see it and see if it's worth it. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was hard enough, but it's making everyone's list. So I'm like, all right, let's bang it out. And then bones and all, which just hit VOD for the high price of $20 though. It's basically like a purchase rental. I want to get that in, but I, I just, I, I don't know if I'll have time, but we'll see. But that one I've seen been making the rounds. So those are kind of the two main ones I want to hit before uh, year end. But is there, do you guys have a prediction for our ultimate list of what you think the number one movie will be next week? It's uh yeah, it's usually something that's not really risky with their number one overall. So I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be Nope. So I think last year was, um, James Wan's whatever I forget what it's called. Yeah, Malignant. Malignant, yeah, and that's like a safer bet. So I think it's going to be that, or maybe maybe Terrifier too, maybe. Yeah, see, I'm going maybe Black Phone. You know, that which is kind of the same realm as what Todd is talking about. Like it's a mainstream release that was released in theaters and stuff. Uh, but Terrifier could also be because they had such buzz among horror fans. So I think Terrifier too is like one that most people saw. You know, so it's, that that alone could be a reason for people to put it on their list all great options i'm gonna go with x just because i feel like it was probably the most mainstream one that came out this year that had a lot of buzz so that is the one i think will end up hitting number one but who the hell knows you know i i I, this is a pretty pretty weird year for sure like i I feel like like i said i i I know me and steve anyway feel like this was a pretty damn good year for horror and uh but not one where there's one specific movie that absolutely sticks out. So it should be a really interesting list next week. But yeah, I, I would say I'm going to give you guys the deadline till Sunday, next Sunday, which is, is that Christmas, Christmas Day? Christmas I guess Day. Christmas Day. Yeah. So, you know, maybe, you know, send them in on Saturday, unless, you know, hey, not everyone celebrates Christmas. So, you know, yeah. Next, so next Sunday, Christmas Day on the 25th. If you can get them in by then, that would be great. And the more lists that come in, the better. It makes the episode better. It makes our master list better. So definitely send them in if you can, the horror squad podcast at gmail.com or just send us a uh, direct message on any of our socials. Absolutely. And before we move on, I just want to give a shout out to the people in our discord on Saturday, we had an impromptu hangout because why the hell not? I had time, like I had nothing to do. My wife was busy with uh, my niece and I figured, okay, let's just hang out with a few of them. Turned out we got a pretty good crowd. And I decided to try something, which I've never tried on Zoom before, and that's uh, screening a movie that we could all watch at the same time and make do commentary on at the same time, and it worked beautifully. Like, I just tested it with Todd right before we started recording, and I mean, the image is clear, the sound is good, and you can hear everyone chat, and it was a really fun time. We had a really, really good time just, you know, shooting the shit over. We watched Killer Mermaid, which is a 2014 film that's on Tubi. And uh, I think in the movie club, which we talk about often, that's how it's going to go going forward. So in 2023. So if you join the movie club, instead of watching a movie and then reviewing it on a hangout, we're actually going to watch it on the hangout and then review it uh, together. So and speaking of the movie club, that's going to be on the 29th or 30th, whatever the Friday night is. And we're doing Deadstream and Sissy. Uh, But that one you have to watch before. It's the last time we'll do that, that old format. So if you want to do that, just, you know, uh, join our Discord completely free. And uh, just ask us for a link, and we will be happy to send it to you. Uh, news? You got news, uh, Joe? 
Yeah, I got some news for you guys this week. Let's get into it. Horror news, folks. And don't forget, if you ever like have horror news you'd like to send into, you can always do it via, you know, Discord, DM, or email. So let's get into it and let's start off with probably the biggest piece of news um, that has come out recently, and that is the teaser trailer finally released for Scream 6. Scream 6 is going to be hitting theaters March 10th, 2023. So I think we've all watched it at this point. So let's hear your thoughts, guys. Eh. Just one big eh. I just I I don't see them fixing the issues I think all three of us had with the last one. So I'm not even I don't care at this point. I know that sounds snobbish, but it's just like the last one was pretty rough, especially with you know David Arquette's handling. So it's none of Campbell and yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I thought it looked good, but it's it was really a teaser. Like, there's not much to it. I think it's cool that it's finally somewhere else. You know, uh, I think you know it's there's just so many times that uh, Ghostface can be in the same town and make it believable. So I'm glad that they're going to New York City, but it's it, it's really a teaser. You know, I'm going in optimistically like I did last time, but. I, my my bar is definitely lower so who knows maybe it could be good maybe they learned from the first time you know they they seem like when we talked to them a long long time ago like the type of people who would actually listen and try to adjust to, to the criticism so i'm psyched uh yeah you know i mean it's gonna be tough with nev campbell not coming back i mean she really is the scream franchise to a lot of people into the fan base so it's, it, it it will definitely be tough um obviously samara weaving coming in is an interesting addition and one that i think most horror fans will really love jenna ortega coming back obviously she's on fire right now love that and um hayden pantier is to me whatever like i you know I, i'm not after scream three i, I kinda, it falls off to me but the trail the teaser for this looked fun like ghostface in manhattan in new york i liked that type of setting for him like it seemed really cool i liked it on the subway and it seemed like they could do some really new and fresh stuff because I, I mean i think we all can all agree that the franchise has gotten pretty stale uh at this point so i think introducing uh, a new setting like new york city could bring some new life into this franchise so we'll see i'm we'll definitely be reviewing it next year so keep an eye out march 2023 for scream six all right let's get into the next bit of news here and some pretty big news in the saw franchise front we reported probably about a month or two ago that tobin bell is officially coming back of course as john kramer well the next bit of big news that just broke recently is that shawnee smith is also go is in talks, but you know she's coming back to the tenth installment of the Saw franchise, which is slated to be released October twenty seventh of next year, two thousand twenty three. So yeah, I mean, it seems like they're going to be bringing back all of the major characters from the franchise. How this is going to work, who the hell knows? But I mean, what do you guys think? Is this the right way to go back into the franchise, or should they have kept on the spiral? part of the franchise let's hear your thoughts uh definitely not spiral that movie was dog shit um but yeah you know i love shawnee smith i love tobin bell it's stupid as heck to have them come back i mean they've been dead and back and dead and back and you know back in vhs tapes and whatever they're doing but you know saw isn't exactly grounded and i love that series so yeah let's bring it on it would be cool though to see more of like the disciples of uh jigsaw type of thing you know like you, people worship him and start killing and you know throw shawnee smith in there too is like a 
a high priestess or whatever you want to call her of this saw kind of thing. But yeah, I'm all about it. I love the saw franchise. Let's write the ship and just get it back on track. Yeah, having Shawnee Smith in it makes me feel like Tobin Bell's gonna be in flashbacks, like as he's teaching her kind of the how to be, you know, the new jigsaw. And I think you're right, Todd. I think it should be a thing like a whole thing where they're they revere her because she's kind of like the closest thing to Jigsaw that everyone has. So yeah, I, I think it could be interesting. That's actually good news to me that Shawnee Smith is coming back. Uh and Tobin Bell, I mean, yes, he's been dead forever, but the last one, you know, uh I think it was called Jigsaw, right? The one where he's yeah, it's like in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh it was a clever way to bring him back. And I'm always good to see more Tobin Bell as Jigsaw. So it's been a minute. When when did Shawnee Smith die? Was she in part three? Yeah, think. she made it. She made. Did she make it through part three, or did she die in part three? I can't remember. <laughs> Hoffman, Hoffman took over in four and five. Four, yes. Yeah, I think it's three. It's three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she must die in three. I can't remember. Or I remember did, she yeah. slits her throat or whatever. I don't know. It's I'm gonna rewatch. Long. I need to rewatch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. After the first three, I definitely. After the first two, I guess my mind starts to get a little fuzzy on the whole timeline of that franchise but all right well we'll keep you guys up to date and obviously another one we'll definitely be reviewing i'm sure for the show next year here we go steve and todd i know you guys would be excited for this one george a you guys are two of the biggest george a romero fans i know well it seems a new night of the living dead film is on its way as mgm has acquired the rights to this film. The script has been written by uh, Latoya Morgan, who is also, she's credited with The Walking Dead. So I assume maybe she's written some Walking Dead episodes. So Christine Romero quoted saying, I am so excited by this visionary team of storytellers that have come together to expand on the premise of the original film. Revisiting the world that George and his collaborators created is going to be a treat for fans. George would have been so happy to see this happen and then of course morgan who wrote the script said i'm beyond thrilled to be playing in the sandbox that george romero built and ecstatic to raise the stakes and push the envelope with this exciting new story that is really all of the uh, details we have uh, at this moment we don't have a plot synopsis for this so i'm assuming they're gonna go a sequel route or maybe a direct continuation after you know where the original movie leaves off but yeah let's hear your thoughts i feel like we get george romero in progress reports like every two three years i think didn't he have a script that someone picked up and was gonna make it and then disappeared and then here we go again i know they just released another night of living dead cartoon which i haven't seen yet but all the night of living dead stuff except uh savini's has pretty been pretty bad so um i'm the whatever of course they're gonna say george is gonna be happy to see it you know that's pr but anything in public domain usually kind of sucks so i don't know we'll see what I hope they mean by this is that we're going to get what I love so much about Romero is even though it's like this big kind of zombie apocalypse movie, they're always like these kind of confined uh, stories, you know, so the first one's in the house, second one's in the mall, third one's in a bunker. So I hope that that's what they're doing is like a, like a smaller story within a big world, as opposed to trying to do a big story, you know, and that's, that's what I'm hoping we see with this Um but that's not how Hollywood tends to do. They tend to like to go really huge. So we'll see. But I'm cautiously like optimistic about it because I'm I'm hoping what they mean by that is they're taking kind of the small story approach that a lot of zombie stuff I think is missing these days. I wonder if they uh, try to bring back a Barbara, if they're going to 
direct continuation of the story but i mean it's kind of the trend right now right is to bring back the uh yeah the original i mean the texas chainsaw did it um mm -hmm. what was the other halloween screen kind of did it halloween did it so yeah sure i mean it kind of makes sense right yeah we'll see we will see and i should also note that it, they are slating this for theatrical release so that's a good sign that's as good well news. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, let's get into the next bit of news here. And it's another movie that is going to be releasing next year. I mean, we're looking at, I mean, we got Scream 6 next year. We got Saw 10 next year. And another hotly anticipated one, The Exorcist reboot that is going to be coming next year. Uh, that one's slated for October 13th, 2023. We're going to have a busy October, guys. You get The Exorcist reboot, you get Saw 10 coming out. Be ex very exciting October for our fans next year. Well, let's hope it comes out in October next year because uh, production was halted um, unexpectedly last week as one of the stars of the movie, Leslie Odom Jr., came down with some sort of illness which um, has halted production until next year. So really, I mean, in a few a few weeks, I guess, you know, early January when I say next year. They they quoted it as saying this was not a, a cost-insignificant haltage so it's definitely going to be costing them some um, heavy dough halting this production whether it is going to push the release date back we don't know yet i very much doubt it you know i'm sure they'll be able to push this forward but we'll keep you guys up to date on any sort of updates uh coming with that but yeah i don't know david gordon green doing this one so you know after how halloween ended you know we'll see what, what the listeners gonna see is all three of us shake our heads at the same time <laughs> at the mention that director yeah I, i've been i feel like i'm being negative all this news but this one's the easiest negative it's like uh, is danny mcbride writing as well i i don't believe so okay because I, I love him and his like dark comedy stuff but you can always like i said halloween you can always tell when he writes a scene and i can just imagine him writing something with like a possessed kid talking about farting or you know so like leave it out i just i just don't know where they're gonna go with this seeing what they did with the last halloween so i don't know all right well we'll see what happens next year folks in other news uh for you yellow jackets fans season two going to be releasing very soon well Season three has already been renewed. Um, so congratulations to Yellow Jackets. I don't think Steven Todd have watched it yet, but I watched season one. I loved it. Highly recommend it. And I'm excited for season two. Yeah, which and on, I'm I was gonna say it's on my list. Uh, but I, I've started a new rule that unless it's something really big like Wednesday, Chucky, like stuff like that, I don't watch season ones anymore because mm -hmm. I've been burned too often. You know, there's too many shows that just fucking end after season one or two. So I'm more, I, I kind of wait more now, but now that I hear there's more seasons coming for sure, I, I think I'll dive in because I, I have heard great stuff about it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely highly recommend it. Um, I gave my thoughts, I think, on the full series on a What Watched at some point this year. And when season two hits, I'll definitely be giving a, a full breakdown once that season ends as well. All right, just a couple more news stories to get through here. Steve, I got to hear your thoughts on this one, as it has just been announced that Mike Flanagan, of course, the Flaniverse, as we all know it now, well, he has just announced that he is going to be, he's planning, uh, they acquired the rights, his team has acquired the rights to the Dark Tower series, and they are planning an epic, epic adaptation of this. He's already written the pilot. He said he is preparing it to be minimum 
of five seasons. Whether this is going to be on Amazon or not, I there's no official word on that. He said that this deal was penned before um, they made the move over to Amazon from Netflix. So I don't have the details on that. But uh, yeah, what do you think? you think Flanagan is the right guy to maybe finally write the ship on the Dark Tower series? I think so. Uh, it's a big story, like really big story. And a movie was never going to cut it. Uh, you know, and I, I love Idris Elba and I think Matthew McConaughey is great too. But to do that story in one film was just not going to happen. So I'm A, excited that it's going to be a series and B, I, I trust Mike Flanagan, you know, so far he's got a really good track record. So if someone can do it, I think he's definitely one of them. And I'm pretty psyched to see what he does with it because it is a pretty epic story if done right. Alrighty. Uh, next bit of news here is I got to get you guys' thoughts on this one because I didn't even hear about this. And maybe you guys talked about it over on uh, your other podcast, Let's XP, Geek and Gaming Podcast. Puppet Master, the video game. I don't know a lot about this, but I know Full Moon has announced that they uh, are creating it and is going into be- uh, beta sometime next year. So, yeah, what do you, I mean, what do you guys think? Do you guys have any more information for me on this or any thoughts? No, I haven't actually heard a lot about it, Joe. Is it like a open concept game, like all these TCM and Evil Deads, or do they say anything? So as far as I can see here, it is going to be a three versus one game mode. So it's going to be it is going oh, to be similar God, no. to all of these, all to all of these other kind of horror based video games that we've been getting. But it does say it is going to be going into open uh, beta on March first, two thousand and twenty three. I'm assuming it's going to be hitting all of the major gaming platforms. It doesn't exactly say here or whether this is going to be sort of a online game or uh, whatever. But you can get in. Uh, on the beta right now, if you want to join Full Moon's Discord, you can kind of get the early uh, testing for that game. So, And there is a video. Uh, you can check it out over on YouTube. Um, there's some gameplay footage and whatnot. So could be fun, but I don't I haven't played. I know you two seem to hate these style type of games. So are we are we fucking being trolled by like some guy, some video game overlord? Why is every single horror game a fucking three versus one or five versus one game? It's ridiculous. Uh, I get Dead by Daylight was popular. Good for them. But not every fucking horror game needs to be this style. There's so much potential and it pisses me off. Uh, as far as the Puppet Master one, man, if <laughs> Full Moon's quality of you know products matches their movies, uh, I would stay away from this game as far as possible unless it's absolutely free and you have really nothing better to do. But I have low, low, low expectations for this one. Uh, I would only play it if it's on Xbox Game Pass, I think. Yeah, knowing Full Moon, they probably gave the developer like 10 bucks and a free and subscription a blow job. to their... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mirror that, man. It's like, make a linear story-driven game. It could be so cool. Like, take, take a play from Resident Evil's playbook and just do something with it. TCM is like ripe for this, and they're doing battle royale kind of thing and then now this and then evil dead which i haven't even touched because i don't just have it games like that are ruined easily by someone that doesn't want to play right you know and then you're just it just sucks and you're stuck there so um yeah that's 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 a letdown for sure but it'll be cool to be tunneler and tunnel up someone's ass so maybe that's a a possibility maybe maybe could be fun all right a big shout out to carrie brian de palma's carrie has been entered into the National Film Registry uh, Library of Congress. So congratulate. I mean, just a, a high honor, obviously, for a horror movie. Not many horror movies have made it over the years. Uh, most recently, we reported on Nightmare on Elm Street making it. But high, high 
honors for Kerry. So congratulations. What does that even mean? Kerry. Like a permanent Steve, cut? I, Steve so, kind of explained this last time, but go for it again, Steve. Right, uh, it's, it's, it's basically like protected by the federal government. So there's yeah. like a copy essentially being stored for like history's sake. You know, it's the same way that they store historical books and you know, stuff and paintings and stuff like that. Okay. It's just so like it's a, like it's an just, Indiana Jones warehouse. Got it. Yeah, because uh, outside of that, basically the master reel is being held by the studio. So fuck knows what's going to happen with that. You know, they don't have and they don't owe it to anybody to keep it protected. Whereas when it goes on the National Film Registry, it's protected by the federal government, the same way kind of a historical house would be, um, you know, like you can't destroy it, you can't alter it because it's being protected. So movies work the same way. And that's why it's it's important. Cool. Yes. So once again, congratulations to Carrie. High honor for a horror film to to make it. So that's great. All right. Well, to end horror news tonight, it's the holiday season. I know you guys are going to want to cram your last minute Christmas themed and holiday themed horror films in before Christmas time, which is just a couple days away once you guys start hearing this. So let's get into some ones you can stream for free or if you are a uh, subscriber to Shudder or some of the other streaming services, here is some Christmas-themed and holiday-themed horror movies you can watch right now. First is Adult Swim's secret horror movie that just released, Yule Log, also known, uh, they are calling it The Fireplace, which you can now watch over on HBO Max. This movie was thrown on Adult Swim, I think around two in the morning. And the first five minutes is just like a Yule log burning. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you have a horror movie that just like secretly came out. So I, I really want to watch this. It's actually getting really good reviews over on Letterboxd. So I'm going to try to squeeze it in before year's end. Um, but we'll see. So you can watch that one over on HBO Max. Uh, number two is Anna and the Apocalypse. One that I've been pushing this show to watch, I think, for the past three years. And I've still yet to see it. But I've heard really good things about that. Um, you can watch that over on Shudder, Tubi, or Pluto TV. I should also mention this is all for our American listen uh, listeners. I'm sorry about any of our foreign listeners. But I'm sure you can find some of these movies on your streaming services as well. Uh, next up is The Children, which I, I haven't seen that one. You guys seen that one? All right. Well, that one is you can find over on Tubi and also on Plex and the Roku channel. The Day of the Beast, which you can find over on Screenbox, Shudder, Tubi, and Pluto TV. Uh, that one is set on Christmas Eve. It has to do with a Catholic priest fighting uh, the antichrist <laughs> so that one sounds kind of cool also dead end which i haven't seen but i think one of you guys have seen that one yeah, right you've seen yeah, i thought, you've, I thought I'm, we made you watch it at one point did you maybe you did i can't remember With, uh, and the Ray, name the the name Ray is Wise. not ringing a bell no Ray we Wise dad we didn't review it but i thought no we didn't okay but no, i may have watched one. it yeah. okay well dead end you can watch for, on uh freebie or tubi next one is dead of night which you can find over on canopy which i've never heard of so, but all these fucking crazy streaming services nowadays. That one is a black and white one. It is a British horror anthology series. Uh, Night of the Comet, which I believe Todd is a big fan of. You can, yeah, you can check out that one on Pluto TV, Shudder, and also Tubi. And then one of our personal favorites on this show, P2, which we reviewed just a couple years ago. You can watch over on Pluto TV, Tubi, Freebie, and Voodoo. And Voodoo. 
And then um, also Soul Survivor, which you can check out over on Shudder. And finally, you want a little, you know, Christmas Carol, but throw a little bit of horror elements in there. Scrooged, uh, Bill Murray Scrooged, which you can check out over on Prime Video and Paramount Plus. So there you go. Squeeze in. I haven't seen, I think, like half of those. So some great suggestions there for ones maybe you've never seen before. So hopefully you guys uh, can check it out and get your little fill of horror-themed movie, uh, holiday horror-themed movies on. And that is it for Hard News this week. There's a lot of horror Christmas movies out there. Just type Christmas in Tubi and you will find a treasure trove of absolute garbage and a few gems like thrown here and there. But uh, it's amazing how many Christmas movies there are. Uh, but before we get to our next next segment, you know, it's the time of year. Uh, maybe some of you got a lot of snow like I did. Like I got a really fuck ton of snow this week. It's cold. Christmas is coming. So why don't you cuddle up on the couch? Maybe get a hot chocolate from Deadly Grounds Coffee. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. What watched? Joe, you have one or zero? I do. I got well, I got one this week. Um, so my f- one and only this week. I watched based on Steve's recommendation. Um, he sent me and Todd both personal little lists saying, you know, I think maybe this could be something that could potentially make you guys' 2022 lists. And the number one movie he had for me was Bloody Oranges, which is a uh, – where what, what country of origin is this one from, it's Steve? France, probably. France. Okay, so this is a French horror film. And this one is it's – it's like a very – I would call it, I guess, sort of a dramedy, sort of like a, a dark black sort of comedy about, you know – essentially it's like a bunch of different stories and you follow all these people's stories um, who, you know, are kind of living, you know, their everyday sort of mundane lives dealing with certain issues and certain things. And all these stories do start to tie in together at the end. This one's interesting. It it starts so light hearted and just like, well, the opening starts just like really funny. I found myself like laughing at the intro. And then you kind of get into like just, you know, sort of like family drama stuff, but with comedy in there. And then the last half of it like takes like a super dark turn and gets like very disturbing uh, at times. And yeah, I mean, that's, you know, where kind of the horror comes into it. Um, It's not obviously your typical horror movie, but there's definitely some um, horror elements in here. Overall, I I liked the movie. I, I didn't love it, though. I, f- I, I found it a chore to get through at, at times, especially like the first half of it. You know, I was kind of it was kind of like, OK, where is this movie going? And I hope it gets there, you know, soon or, it, you know, at least give us something. But when it does get there, it, it that's definitely when it picks up and, and gets good and yeah, overall, it, it, for me, it was a it was a good one time watch, but not something um, that 
uh, sticks out for me uh, for my 2022 list. That's not on mine either. <laughs> it was just in my top 25 that you've seen most of the stuff already that I recommended, like Speak No Evil and all that stuff. So, all right. So I'll do three since I watched like a fuck ton in the last week. So I'll only do like the three I actually want to talk about. Uh, the first one is they're all 2022 films because I'm trying to kind of make that list better. So the first one's uh, called The Innocence. So this is one that Joe had recommended to me. So it's the story of these kids who live in this apartment building and they have like kind of powers, you know, think, uh, I don't know what's Brightburn a little bit, not, not to that extent, but just kids that have like telekinesis and different, you know, they can speak to other people through their minds and kind of, kind of stuff like that. Nothing too crazy. They don't like fly around and shoot lasers and shit like that. And it's just them trying to kind of figure out their powers and they're all on different wavelengths of, where they are you know there's one who's like kind of an evil kid and then you have one that's like a really good kid and then you have one who has who's like severely autistic and then you have one who's kind of trying to figure out which side she wants to be in you know she's kind of being swayed by the three other sides in some way and she's that's kind of who the story follows is her trying to figure out both her powers and uh what kind of i guess person she wants to be uh, this is a really dark film like there is no joy to be had watching this movie. I think a lot of people will be really, really triggered by it. We're talking animals and kids in extreme danger and it, some really bad stuff with th that kind of stuff. So if that is something you can't watch, I would definitely skip this one. But if you can stomach it, there's a lot of good stuff about it. Performances, fantastic. And I don't say that often with kids. I find kids often detract from movies and stuff. But in this case, the kids played really, really good. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of stuff like that. And the problem with the movie for me, though, is that a lot of really bad shit happens, but the kids are always on neutral. They don't react in a way that I think is believable. Like, you know, kids die, animals die, and they're just kind of like, eh. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a very one-tone movie. And although I enjoyed it and I saw like the brilliance of it, it's not like one I'd watch again. You know, I don't think it was amazing because of that. I think it needed more oomph, you know, it needed more like emphasis on the powerful scenes and stuff like that. But still a good watch if you can stomach that kind of stuff. That's The Innocence. Tonally, I would compare it to sort of like uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, if anyone's ever seen uh, that movie. I love, I love that movie. I, I do too. Uh, I love that one. I think that was, I think, hmm. probably on both of our top 10 lists for I, that year. I don't maybe. think we watched it in time for that. Maybe year. we watched it. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we were late on it. But it's, I, yeah. So good. Yeah. I love that movie. But I would compare like the tone of it, you know, kind of like how the delivery of the actors sort of yeah. one toned Very like that. Dry, it, yeah. Yeah. The Innocence is, is pretty similar to that. But uh, yeah, I, I recommended that to Steve just based on him being kind of the biggest superhero fan out of uh the three of us i thought maybe he would dig it the most but uh it is pretty that the animal stuff really was upsetting in that movie especially well you got one totter yeah i think i talked about it last week with steve um silent night deadly night part three better watch out but i honestly don't remember so just a re quick recap uh ricky's back but it's played by bill mosley and now ricky has like a helmet head and his brain's exposed and he's doing telekinesis and things like that. There's a blind girl that's like having experimentations on her. 
it sounds cooler than it is it's not a good movie it's super freaking boring bill mosley he's great and everything but he's so underutilized in this it sucks and then our lead cannot pull off being a blind person and it's like an easy fix too if you just put like dark sunglasses on her you won't see her eyes clearly focusing on things in the room so just hide it by like an easy fix uh which they failed to do so i think i mentioned it last week again but like i said Silent Night, Bill of night part three um i'm stopping there because this one just killed the franchise for me so i'm out yeah but like i said you really should check out four and five uh oh, just, God, they get so weird <laughs> you know it's just uh it, it's almost worth watching just to see how off the rails this series goes but you know, who knows it's uh if ever you have time you know it's one yeah. to complete and then you can complete your little letter letterbox to, that's thing, true which always <laughs> by, by list yeah that Ranking always list. annoys me <laughs> I, i've seen four compared to halloween three where like it has like absolutely nothing to do with the the franchise is that accurate uh, five as well they're uh five as well yeah yeah interesting <laughs> All right, uh, so my second one this week is another 2022 film, and it is called Final Cut. So Final Cut is both a remake and sequel to One Cut of the Dead, which was in my top 10 two years ago, I think. That's when that movie came out. So that was a Japanese film. This one is a French film, and it actually takes place after the events of One Cut of the Dead. They are referenced in a few ways in the movie, and there's even a character from One Cut of the Dead that crosses over into this film, which is what makes it a sequel. But it's also basically the same exact film as One Cut of the Dead. And if you haven't watched that, I, I would highly recommend it. I don't want to say too much because it's one of those stories that uh, I enjoyed discovering what the movie was about. But basically, it's about the making of a zombie film and the inner workings of all of that. So this movie is good. Like, I really enjoyed Final Cut. But it's so close to one cut of the dead that I knew all the beats before watching it and they don't change really all that much. So it was like too close of a remake in my opinion. So even though I really liked it, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it because I think a one cut of the dead was better and B it's so close to the other one that I'd say, just watch one cut of the dead and you know, call it a day. Uh, I just wish they leaned more into the sequel parts of it rather than the remake part of it, because then at least there was something that was new and interesting. But unfortunately, that's not the case. But if you prefer French people, I guess, watch Final Cut. But if you want to see this story play out, I would recommend What Kind of the Dead. And finally, the last one I watched. So this was my most anticipated film for 2022, way back when we did the year-end show last year. At the time, it was called The Devil's Light but it has been renamed to Pray for the Devil, which just came out on VOD. So this story is about a nun who works at a exorcist-like school uh, in Boston. And the way it works is that if someone is suspected of being possessed by the devil, they don't immediately get an exorcism. They go to this place where they're checked by the medical field first, to determine whether or not it's a medical issue or actually a spiritual issue. So it's kind of like a detention center for people who are in between being caught for being possessed and actually getting their exorcism. And meanwhile, it also serves as a school for American exorcists. So the story follows the nurse who is kind of taking care of the patients who are in that detention center. And there's this little girl who's particularly like really possessed that she has a really good connection with. 
And this nurse is really interested in the whole exorcism thing. So she actually sneaks into classes to watch kind of the you know curriculum of an exorcist. But she's not supposed to because you're only it's only supposed to be men that do it because it's a Catholic church and you have to be an ordained priest to be an exorcist. But through a series of events, um, she kind of goes behind the church's back and starts doing exorcisms because she really wants to save that girl. Uh, and then even though they kind of scold her for it, they realize that she actually might be the best person for the job, despite the fact that she's a nun and not an ordained priest. Uh, and then that's kind of what the story is. It's her trying to save this little girl. And then you find all these other connections to other things. And it basically boils down to being an exorcist movie, just from the perspective of a nun rather than a priest. I had such high hopes for this. I mean, this ticked all the boxes. It's a religious horror. It's got exorcisms and it's got a nun as the featured uh, character. So it should have been amazing. But it wasn't. It was pretty bland. Even the exorcism scenes aren't all that good. Maybe it's because I've seen so many exorcist films at this point that I'm a little desensitized unless they do something really crazy. Like, I don't know, off the top of my head, a zombie Jesus, <laughs> which is a fucking amazing. So I like the scene. They show the history of exorcisms and stuff like that, which I thought was really fascinating. But the actual story I thought was sluggish and there just wasn't anything that really held my attention. And it, unfortunately, it kind of goes nowhere, too. There's it's it's a really weird series of events that leads it to the exorcism. And some of the connections that they make between the characters are a little too convenient for my taste. So I would say, unless you see it for free somewhere, uh, like streaming, maybe it's worth watching if you really like exorcist films. Uh, if not, I would say pass on this one. So that's uh, Pray for the Devil. I'm sorry that one didn't work out for you. I know you like you love all that shit, so... That's, that's, that's yeah. what happens, right? You yeah, got high expectations for something. And uh, I, I should have known when they kept pushing this fucking movie mm. like months, <laughs> like a few months at a time, I knew there, there was something there. So, was yeah. it better than The Nun? Was it better than The Nun? Uh, no, because I really like The Nun character. Right. I, I love Tessa Formiga. She's amazing. Yeah, that French dude's annoying, but <laughs> French Canadians. Uh, and, and, yeah, French Canadian. French Canadian. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just like the setting of the nun too, you know, and there was some really cool shit in this one. This one just felt too generic. Uh, other than the history of the exorcisms, which was really cool, I'm assuming that's somewhat based in reality, or at least, you know, the real history of exorcisms. Uh, the rest was just not interesting. Yeah, that movie just kind of came and went too. I had a feeling when you don't like <laughs> hear anything about a movie, like whether even good or bad, you're kind of like, uh, I mean, just just kind of goes by the wayside. And so I didn't see Probably. anything about it. I, I saw a lot no. of hype for it when it first got announced. Like there's trailers all the time. And then one of our listeners, Chuck, is like, oh, I went to see it. I'm like, that came out. <laughs> I had no idea. So, yeah, it's that's not a good sign. Bummer. But it's trivia time. And this may be the last week for trivia. Uh, depends on how close it is. If it's super close, we'll bring it back for a year-ender. But this may be it, folks. Joe is in the lead with 15 for the quarter. Myself on his tail, 13. Steve on my tail with 10. However, the overall score is where it's the closest. We got 66 for myself, 63 for Joseph, and 52 for Steve. So who's it going to be? Will it end tonight or will we continue? We'll see. Ooh. I'll start. Oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah. crack the knuckles all right so uh i'm trying this category again tried it last week and okay. let's see if it's uh you know something i should continue so this is yes the movie 
based off the IMDb trivia. Okay. Yes. This was both the highest grossing film of this series, but also the lowest rated one. Ooh. Okay. This film takes place in 1952. Interesting. Hold on. Pause. 1952. <laughs> highest grossing. Yet lowest rated. Okay. Not, not there yet. Not yeah. there yet. <laughs> The main villain is mentioned by name only once when Father Burke looks into the Abbey's history. Everyone else refers to it as the evil or the demon. Father Burke. Father Burke, that sounds like super fucking Yes, familiar. it does. Oh, I'm thinking of Burke from Aliens. <laughs> right? Isn't that the <laughs> sleazeball? Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. not a, it's not Aliens. <laughs> it's not, I know. That's uh, all right. where the name popped up. I, I think I have a get. I have a well. How does this work? If I guess, this, do I have yeah. to wait till you go through everything? Okay. Can then you repeat the third clue again? Uh, the main villain of this film is mentioned by name only once. When Father Burke looks into the Abbey's history, everyone else refers to it as the evil or demon. Hmm. Okay, I have a guess as well. I have one more. So either you guys both guess, and then I just read the last one, or okay. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw it out there then. Let's go for it. I'm gonna go with Exorcist the beginning. Wrong. I'm right. going with the nun. Correct. Yes. No. It, it is both the highest grossing but lowest rated uh conjuring film. Interesting. Two and then the Abbey thing. Yeah, yeah. For me. Yeah, the Abbey thing. And it's I funny we, we, we just talked about it. I was like, <laughs> fuck, you guys you're gonna ruin the question. <laughs> All right. Well, all Joe originals this week, Ooh. as it is, of course, Christmas time. So I am doing all holiday horror themed trivia this week. So let's start us off with our first one. We'll just be a regular trivia question. So, Classic. yes, in Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, which we just reviewed last oh, week, no. Eric Freeman, who, of course, plays Ricky, had very strong eyebrow movements in the entirety of the movie. How many times does his eyebrows move up and down God. in the movie? Well, you know, it's funny. I was just counting that. Like, <laughs> is it closest to? Or yeah, like, yeah, I'll give you guys closest to. Yeah, one hundred and fifty. Okay. Garbage day. That's two right there. Garbage day. I'm gonna go one twenty-five. Any last thought? <laughs> wow, Steve, almost pretty damn what? close, Steve. The correct answer is 130. Nice. nice. <laughs> Garbage I told, day. I told you I counted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Name the movie based on the character's name. So I'll give you the character name. You gave me You give me the movie title. Oh, boy. Okay. Chris Washington. Ooh. Um, that would be Get Out. Correct. Oh. I did not remember that his last name was Washington at all. I don't even, I don't remember that either. <laughs> Kayla, Kayla remembered. Okay. Or she I'm to beat it. All right. Guess the movie based off this line of dialogue. All right. There's another one for the fire. Night Living Dead. Correct. Which we also talked go. about tonight. It's like all my questions apparently were foreshadowing this episode. I, re- I had one in the chamber. I really hoped you were going to say garbage today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, da, da, da. <laughs> all right. One of my uh, new favorite ones I've been doing recently on trivia match the country of origin 
to the movie. Okay. So tonight we have one we reviewed on the show. Christmas-themed movie. Ooh. Rare Exports. That's been um, Correct. Ah, dang it. <laughs> Didn't even get it out. <laughs> All right. Back to Kayla. Thank you very much, Kayla. Okay. Movie motives. I will give you the motive. Ooh. You give me the title, which is a really cool idea. In what movie was the motive wanting revenge against the kids who caused his sister to fall out of a window and die? Ooh. Caused his sister to fall out of a window and die. Oh, boy. That sounds so familiar. We've talked about it numerous I'm, times. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> ah, it's, just, I'm not, it's not ringing a bell right now for me. Uh, me neither. Uh, 1980s? Scream Queen. Isn't it? Halloween? Incorrect. <laughs> Halloween? What? <laughs> I don't know. That's 70s, too. So. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Children of the Corn? Incorrect. The answer is Prom Night. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right. Four clues. Okay. Tin Can. Okay. Cartoon. Airplane. Racism. Jeez. Oh, very vague. Very vague. Tin Can. Cartoon. Cartoon, airplane, and racism. Um, my my disappointment s- is real on this one. Snakes on a plane. Am I wrong? That's how I was, I was going there. I was going. I was thinking that too. I'm fixated on the plane. Right. You guys get Tin up? can. What the heck? Tin can. Uh, yeah. Oh wait, is it warm bodies? Wrong. You guys get up. <laughs> what? Oh, I see the plane. Yeah, yeah I get lives on it. Yeah, I get right, nothing. So this is the third time I asked this exact <laughs> question this year. And I nice. thought, they got to fucking know this by now. <laughs> it is the Twilight Zone movie. And that is, oh, the, uh, that is the four stories. In uh, Twilight Zone yes, movie. you definitely did do this before. <laughs> Three times, this is my third dude. time this year. <laughs> Man. Um, We'll get it one of these times. One day you'll get this <laughs> right. It is not this day. Alrighty. All right. And to finish off my trivia for tonight and possibly the year. Although I think we're going to be pretty close, Todd, as far as uh, quarterly anyway. So I think we'll have to do it next week anyway. Yes. Uh, all right. But but three letterboxed reviews. Guess the movie. Hmm. All right. Number one. Kind of like a remake of Home Alone, but instead of Macaulay Culkin, you have a pregnant chick. And instead of Chris Columbus, it's directed by Satan. Number two. You will never again see scissors the same way. I remember my theme for this tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And number the last one. I think I just felt my womb shrivel up. Um, I know it. Come on, shit, man, kill him. It's. I will say it's not the, a typical movie you think of when you think of Christmas theme horror movies. Yeah. Is it Grace? It is not Grace. Well, I'm wrong. Then. But it is for. It is a foreign horror film. Oh. Oh. Well, you can go. I don't. I have no idea. Is it Titan? 
It is not Titan. Although, good guess. Uh, the correct answer is Inside. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh, you yeah. haven't? No. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> oh, my God. All right, well, that, that, uh, maybe I'll, I'll, maybe I can do it and pull up a different trivia question after tacos, but you guys both need to watch Inside. Like, it's mm. fucking phenomenal. That's a Christmas movie? movie? Yeah, it takes place like on Christmas Eve, I think, okay. or Christmas night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Finally. Holy shit. But holy shit, like we're talking, we're talking extreme like gore and just fucking pretty disturbing all around. But I mean, the plot is essentially like a woman breaks into this pregnant woman's house and wants to steal the baby out of her stomach. So it's pretty, pretty fucking terrifying. Premise, wow. so, yeah. Sam's a big fan of that one too. I showed it to her, I think a couple years ago. Okay. Lastly, uh, name the movie based on this stupid one-star review. What the hell is a cat doing in space? Oh, alien. Correct. Ah, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> alien. Steve with the big three tonight. Okay. End of quarter. Joe in the lead with 16, myself 15, Steve 13. So we definitely need to do another round. Overall, though, myself in the lead with 68. Uh, Joe behind me at 64, Steve at 55. So we can end it there or we can. Continue with another one. Up to you guys. Because we're going to discuss off air. One, one last one. Let's, Let's kill it. it. Only Why originals. Not? And Go they got to be fucking crazy bang. hard. <laughs> <laughs> write I a like paragraph. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll write essay questions and submit it to Discord. See. <laughs> yeah. Name so. the background actor at <laughs> two minutes and 22 seconds in The Exorcist. Uh, no, I got a good one. <laughs> the boom operator for... <laughs> Four clues. Tin can... Uh, I just forgot it again. Yeah, I Seriously. Uh, Twilight Zone. <laughs> dang it. Oh boy. All right. That leads us to Christmas Bloody Christmas, directed by Joe Bagos. You better not cry. It's a tagline. It's Christmas Eve and Tori just wants to get drunk and party, but when a robotic Santa Claus at a nearby toy store goes haywire and begins a rampant killing spree through her small town, she's forced into a battle for survival okay tori our title character she is a female record store owner and she has her co-worker that works under her he's like they're both kind of like metalheads, whatever they talk about who's uh the best band when bands went wrong they even delve into some horror movies which we'll talk about later her opinions are not good meanwhile we learn through some commercials that the u.s military has created a robotic Santa that is now available in stores. And then literally like about 10 minutes later, we learned that the robotic Santa that the U.S. military created has been recalled. So after their shift at the record store, they go over to like a little mini hangout party at a toy store where the robotic Santa Claus is there. And we learned that, yeah, that thing got recalled. It's going back. Meanwhile, through this whole thing, the the worker to Tori is trying to get in her pants and explaining that, you know, all the other men she's tried are not uh, not adequate, not up to the standards. They're flirting back and forth and they decide to go back to her place for a nightcap and maybe some sexual uh, uh, adventures. And then lo and behold, the Santa Claus, robotic Santa Claus snaps and starts killing people. This is my third by Joe Bagos. And unfortunately, it's going to be 0 for 3 for me. Overall, I, I love Christmas horror movies because I love just like the look of lighting and stuff like this. Like Christmas lights are like excellent for setting the mood. Um, so I dig that. I really dug the robotic Santa, uh, robotic Santa, excuse me. Although I thought like it needed something else. And I like the setting, of course, on Christmas uh, Eve and day. But overall, uh, this one would be a miss for me. What about you guys? 
Yeah, I was, man, I was, like, really excited for this movie because I thought the premise just sounded so fucking fun, just like a robotic Santa on a killing spree. And overall, like, I I, I, I liked Joe Bagos. Like, I really liked Bliss, which I think I'm the only one. And then VFW, I thought was okay, which I think we did all, we all, we definitely reviewed that one. Did, yeah. And I, yeah. And I, I remember, you know, it was hit or hit and miss. This one for me was mainly a miss. And it just, it's frustrating because I feel like they're, they're, it had so much potential and I just feel like it, it just did not reach that potential. And the biggest part is I think Robo Santa here is like so underutilized. Like he just like never reaches his full potential, kind of like the movie. Like he, first of all, like he's just not very robotic. Like you, it just the whole time, he just looks like an actor in a Santa suit. And it just doesn't, it just never, until the end, I guess, which I know we'll get into. But yeah, so for me, the Robo Santa just uh, is a big miss. The kills were very lackluster for the most part for me. And the biggest problem for me was the fucking dialogue. Like, holy shit. You know, I'm I'm all for the, you know, saying the word fuck, but the amount of times fuck is used in this movie is outrageous. And it's not a good it, like in Goodfellas, it worked great. They say fuck all the time and it just it felt natural whereas in this movie, it was just like way too much and just felt very immature. Like in my letterbox review, I said I felt like it was written by a 12-year-old, like a horny 12-year-old, which I think is pretty accurate. But yeah, so for me, it was it was just extremely disappointing. And I'll go into more details later, but I, let's hear Steve. So it sounds I'll be the most positive out of the group on this one. Now, I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was an okay movie, uh, just not great, you know? So the way that I feel about this movie is that I just didn't take it seriously, right? It's a killer robot Santa that's going around and just murdering people while a bunch of people kind of run away from it. Uh, I actually thought the kills were pretty good for a movie like this. You know, there's a lot of like pretty sick kills and they really don't shy away from making their heads like smush or axe you see go right through the face and stuff like that. And that's actually way better than a lot of the Christmas movies I've seen lately uh, that are horror. So I actually liked it for the kills. Uh, I I know I'm. It seems to be I'm, I'm the minority in this. I actually like the characters too. I enjoyed most of the characters in the movie. My issue is they kill all of them except one pretty early in the film. So you spend the last half hour of the movie with one character. So she has no one to like riff off of because there's no one to talk to anymore. They killed them all. So that's that was a big problem with me. The killer Santa was also a problem with me. I agree with Joe. It didn't really look like a robot Santa. It just looked like a dude in a beard. And other than the mechanical sound that they obviously pumped in, you know, in post, there was nothing that indicated that it was a robot. You know, it just, the way he moved wasn't that robotic. I mean, a little bit, but not too much. And it just, especially with how amazing that fucking poster is, and it's an amazing poster. Uh, this like the Wish version of that Santa. And that was disappointing to me because it just didn't look all that great, even at the end when we see him in a more, I guess, robotic form. Yeah, the dialogue is cheesy at times. There are some things that are said in the movie which I highly disagree with, which I'm sure we're going to get into at some point because I'm sure it graded on you guys maybe more than it did with me. But I I enjoyed those conversations. You know, it's just, uh, I thought they were fun. It's it's like geeky conversations, so I can relate to that because that's how I am with my friends. Like, we don't talk about serious life shit when we're together. We talk about 
these stupid like you know movie things or music things or whatever the case may be so i kind of relate to that on some level and they went pretty brutal in some scenes like they completely destroyed a kid in this uh with no mercy so i thought it went to good places but where it really loses me is the last half hour which we'll get into why and so i thought overall was okay you know i I enjoyed it i wouldn't necessarily watch it again but it was all right yeah i i mean i i for as I will say, I, the lighting looked great, and that's Bagos's always like best part of all three, like all three of his movies I've watched of his. The lighting, like he always just kills the lighting. VFW, it was the highlight, and in this movie, the work of the neon with the Christmas lights just looks awesome for sure. Um, I, did anyone else feel the movie was too dark though at times? Like even with the neon lighting, like I, I it just like seemed very dark to me. Uh, well, first. I love that neon look, but yeah. it, I think he used it too much. Overused, you know, it, yeah. It's, it's like the movie it takes place in the back of a fucking strip club. You know, if you've ever been in the back yeah. room of a strip club with those like neon lights to, that, that that's what it kind of reminds me of. And the whole, it, like every fucking store is neon. It makes no sense. Why are they fucking, uh, you know, Gotham City from Batman and, uh, and Robin? You know, it made, it really made no sense to me. So it, it was cool, but no, it wasn't dark to me. I don't know. Maybe it was just, you know the tv i watched it on or something but uh i thought it was actually pretty light but yeah it's definitely his style right bliss and vfw he really likes that neon and that glow in the dark uh aesthetic yeah i watched it on my phone and it looked fine yeah i'm I'm siding with steve in in regards to the kills being pretty decent i thought they were pretty cool um head smashing axe and stuff and then i think at one point robo santa like axes the kid's body and it like launches in the air or something which is pretty fun gag and then I said with the Joe in regards to the dialogue, man, like, yeah, I think we all talked to our friends and stuff like that, but it just seemed like so forced. Every character though, too, like they go to the toy store and then they're talking to the other couple. And then next scene, they're like, eat my ass on this thing. And then Robo Santa comes and it's like insufferable, dude. I can, I just, I, that's a problem. You know, you, you can't root for any characters. It's hard to follow. And I think Sam used to say, this is definitely like a good laundry movie. Like, you know, I, cause I drifted from this one. It was hard to keep my attention on. I actually had to rewind to see what happened to a couple of characters, but uh, yeah, her opinions on horror is just plain wrong. Let's just go out. Alien Covenant. Best one. In I the mean, series. That's, Come on. that's him. That's just like trolling. Uh, I, I know. Say, right. Oh, it's I just know, like, I know. Right. I feel like it's like Bigos trolling, but also like, you know, people like that. Like, right. We've met <laughs> horror fans that are like that. They're just like, just to be different. Like you just come up with these outrageous claims that, Very true. you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 6 is the best in the franchise. And listen, I love Blair Witch 2, but to say Blair Witch 2 <laughs> is better than the first Blair Witch movie is just, is blasphemous. Really. That's a good point. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> take it from that point of view. I just took it as, oh, this annoying character is saying more annoying things. But yeah, that guy goes to town on her and he doesn't get any papers in return i was like what's going on with this i even uh, mentioned well you know santa had santa came in and you know i think they were getting no, ready not, to and then yeah she put her pants on or anything and left yeah. the room well yeah well she was you know she was going to get freshed up get another drink and she said don't she said she said to him she's like don't go and don't move or whatever and then you know robo santa unfortunately yeah, uh cock blocks him well actually he did, he did say uh that he wanted to get pegged so <laughs> I mean, maybe that was was that was next for him. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I agree with Todd. I, I think the I I thought all the characters were insufferable. Like I I wasn't rooting for any. Like I wasn't rooting for any of them. Like, and that was like the hardest part for me because like 
you know, like I, I'm rooting for Robo Santa the majority of the time. And Ro- I just feel like Robo Santa was so underwhelming that like even rooting for him was just kind of like, eh, like, you know, I just, I just wish he was like cooler. And then like, I would have been more on board with this. I also think the movie was played too straight. Like for a movie like this, like I feel you needed some like cheesiness in it or like some sort of goofiness, but I feel like it was just played like way too like straight. Like I, I needed some jokiness in there or something ridiculously over the top to kind of make you laugh. And I mean, that's maybe just my personal preference, but if I'm getting like a robot Santa movie, I kind of want something along the lines of what we watched recently with Santa Slay and Silent Night, Deadly Night. But yeah, it just, it just, this one just did not work for me on most of the, uh, on most of it. There are some weird issues in the movie though. So uh, when she brings back her coworker to where she lives, uh, her sister and her brother-in-law also live there. And she makes the point to say, like, shh, you know, we got to be quiet because we don't want to wake him up, right? And then they immediately go in there, play the loudest fucking music ever, and talk super, super loudly. What the fuck? Like, you just said a second ago that you need to be quiet uh, to not wake up your, your sister. It's just and then like, she's screaming in ecstasy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just these little, like, kind of things. The, the snow looked so fake. Like, I, I couldn't with the snow. It, it was so obviously being just like blown pieces of like paper or whatever they, they use for it. Uh, so there's a lot of like little issues like that that I noticed. Uh, but you're right. It I think because we watched Santa Slay, it was missing that comedy element because it's like a ridiculous story, but they played it a little too serious for its own good, I think. And it, there are parts where I think he thought it was funny, you know, especially a lot of the sexual humor and stuff that they're going for, you know, like, I'm going to eat your ass and that that kind of stuff, right? But it's not funny. It's just, okay, whatever. And one thing that really bothered me, and maybe this would be more Todd that would be bothered by this than you, Joe, the camera angles were all over the place. It's it's from a POV perspective. It's from top-down perspective. It's under the table. It's from an, like a diagonal angle. Like, what the fuck is going on? And if you really watch it, if you take out the sound and just watch the movie, you'll see just how crazy these camera angles are. And the edits are just all over the place. I thought it was messy as like a a film. You know, like if I'm looking at it technically, I thought it was a really messy film. You know, I agreed. I noticed mostly when it was handheld and they were following action along, but you don't really need to follow action when the action is only someone complaining about a band cutting their hair. It just makes it more annoying because like, I don't need to be up on this girl's butt like like just take a shot back and go from there but i guess the character i liked the most was that guy he was a little bit more like believable but then you know he gets his like at the 50 minute mark or something like that so yeah which that's another part i think it was too early for him to die right because like he's pretty much our other main character and i guess maybe they were going for kind of the shock value of that to kind of say oh well no one's safe here because he's dying but like steve said i mean steve came up said the great point earlier that she after that she had like really no one else to kind of riff off of and i think he was needed in that final 30 minute scene we get between you know robot santa coming in i mean we get the police officers but who really cares about them familiar face we have um what's his name jeff daniel phillips who's been in every rob zombie movie pretty much in the last 10 years but you know i didn't really care about his care i didn't find his character all that great either so yeah i think he he needed to stick around a little longer 
And how many times in this fucking movie do they kill Santa and walk away? It's like it, it happens to her at least four times in the movie. If they had just cut his fucking head off or blown his head off, this movie would have been over super quickly. And she even says something to that effect with uh, the first cop, uh, the one that she first like gets arrested with, uh, where she's like, no, you got to go and you got to destroy its head. Well, she didn't do it the other fucking three times she downed Santa. So why the fuck? Like, I don't understand. It, it was just so stupid. And it just kept going and going. Like the last, thir- I think it's 35 minutes, is basically just her and Santa fighting, but there's no one else. So it gets really kind of long and boring after a while. Yeah, you can only fake out your audience like so many times before it gets like, okay, like what the fuck are we doing here? And like that last half hour sequence, it happens like five different times. And it's just like, okay, like it just gets too repetitive and boring. And that's when I like really started to check out. I'm just like, okay, like can this just be over already? You know, I mean, it's it's only like 80 something minutes, so it's not like overly long, but I I don't know. Like it just felt longer, like sitting and watching it. Like, and I think it's more about just me being massively disappointed because I was really looking forward to this one. Like I really thought this had great potential. And honestly, I think a sequel, like they could really improve like on this movie. Like, and I'd be down for it. I really would. Cause I, I do think the premise is fantastic and you could make a great, you know, christmas tradition of kind of putting one out every year for the next few years and do a lot of fun stuff with this this premise but for me this one it just it just it just missed the mark well i guess uh if we don't have any final thoughts rate this thing actually i I got one question before we go to the ratings what were your favorite kill in the movie if you had to think of one probably the head smash i'm a fan of a good head smash especially when they show it like the halloween 2018 that's a good one too yeah you're talking kind of when he stomps his head on the stairs there. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. That, that's my favorite. That's my, the one that sticks out to me the most too, for sure. Yeah. Same, same for me, but uh, her like coworker too, got it pretty bad with the ax in the face. Uh, mm-hmm. But you're right. I love it when the face like fucking just breaks apart. I, I thought, and wow, it's like, wow, I did not see that one coming. I really thought he'd be kind of till the end. Right. And that was crazy that he died at the like 50, 55 minute mark. Um, but also yeah, one of the biggest issues with that movie. Right. Did you like the the final like Robo Santa look? I mean, it looked it was better than what we better, were getting better, better most than of the just, movie. Yeah, regular right. Santa. And it was better I, than fucking Santa with like two lights on his face, like glued to his face. Right. Like they did for a while there. Do you think it would have been better if we got that earlier? Maybe like halfway through? Like, so it's like he, you know, I don't I think probably. It it been, been cool it sh- it sh- he should have been a robot pretty much the whole time. Yeah, uh, because it was ridiculous. It was just like a regular dude for such a long part of the movie. And now I get it probably probably costs a lot to have something like that, you know, kind of walking around. But it it hurts a movie because it wasn't an interesting. It was just a dude dressed as Santa really for a long time. And it wasn't that interesting. All right. Let's rate this son of a bitch. Um, I'm going in with a five out of ten. All right. I guess I'm going to be the lowest on this one. I'm going to give it a four. I was just. Just bummed. Just hopefully, I don't know. I'm I'm still down for a sequel though, because I th- I think there's a lot of room for improvement. So I'd be okay if he did if he did a sequel. But I don't know. Maybe not. I, Bagos. Do you want? Yeah, I was gonna say. Do you want him <laughs> no, to make a sequel? Or you I want don't. Someone I want someone someone remake it. Get a different director in there, and maybe I'd be down for it. But yeah. I, I don't we, think his dialogue was his dialogue wasn't that bad in VFW and and Bliss. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know, this, Joe, this, but uh, we know a guy. 
who might be down to do the sequel. So oh, Santa Slay, I'll do Santa <laughs> Slay every fucking time. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I think this movie probably has more of his like personality. He probably had a less of a leash maybe with the other films and like he just put whatever he liked in it, which you know, whatever it's his movie at the end of the day. So respect it for that. Yeah, and VFW also had some like pretty big name actors, so he probably had to kind of tone down things for those actors. So this you're right, he's probably just going more balls to the wall. Um, I'm the highest on this, but not by much. Uh I'm a six. You know, it's it, it was okay. I, I enjoyed kind of watching it this one time. And you're right, uh, Todd, it's like a good kind of background movie, you know, because it's so colorful. It's, I, I'd actually rather put this on than the Monsters. <laughs> there, there oh, absolutely. I'll watch this again before Monsters. <laughs> yeah. Not me. Not you me. Psycho <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I, uh, I think actually this is, I think Steve said this about the Monsters, actually. I think this would be a great one to put on mute at like a Christmas themed party and just kind of let people kind of see it because it does look good. But once you, once you turn up the volume, it kind of all goes downhill. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So that's it. It's it's time. It's it's almost time for, our, you know, I think it's our biggest episode of the year when we do our <laughs> top 10 of the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I, I, you know, it's definitely one of our favorite episodes of the whole year. Next week, folks, 2022 year in horror review our top 10 list, your top 10 list, the master list. It's going to be a super awesome and exciting episode. But before that, don't forget our very exciting Santa Slay director, David Steinman interview immediately following this episode. Great, great stuff. Todd came back for it. All three of us are on that interview, which is a rarity. So that's how you know it's a really good one when we get all three of us on it. When, and, when's uh, the last per- time that happened actually i was, I was gonna say what did you say steve like tony todd eh. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Like, then, tony todd felisa rose eh, uh, who else did we, we fight even uh my god uh, Omni cat um, yeah. it's like eh. and then he's like the director of time to slay fuck yeah it, i mean i mean i can't remember it might have been like d, d. wallace, wallace maybe d. i yeah. think d wallace was like my three, last one three yeah. years ago yeah. Well, because yeah. you guys, to be fair, you guys do them at like 3 p.m. Yeah, we, we do usually choice. do them early in the day, yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. David, it, that was a legit interview, man. I, I I was really into it. Yeah. No, it was, it was super, super fun. And pretty late, like 40 minutes, I think we got out of him, something uh, like that. Well, so it, it's, was, it was like 30 by the time I 30. took out uh, okay. us talking to him. <laughs> okay, good All stuff. Right. All right, so yeah, so stick around. 30-minute interview with David Steinman, a must for any Santa Slay fan. But even if you're not a Santa Slay fan or haven't even watched the movie, there's just a lot of great, there's a great story there, like of how it was made and everything. So you'll enjoy it regardless. But I, yeah, that's it, guys. Don't forget, follow us on all of our social media. It's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Discord, the Horror Squad podcast. The only way to get into our Discord, of course, is by sending us a, a DM on any of our socials and we'll send it in. We've had a few people do that recently. So thank you to all of the new Discord members. Best way to keep up with the podcast for sure. You can send us an email, the Horror Squad Podcast at gmail.com. And that's about it. So don't forget, send in your lists for 2022. You have uh, about another few days, I guess, after this uh, episode comes out. So send them in. And, uh, we, you know, that show is, we can't really do that master list without you guys. So please send them in and that's about it. So yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays and stick around for the interview. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Everything. Thank you. Bye.
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, where tonight we are joined by a very special guest. He is the writer and director of the cult classic Christmas horror movie, Santa Slay. Please welcome David Steinman. David, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So uh, why don't we just start off with telling us, you know, what inspired you to write this just wacky and super fun movie? I wish it was something deep. Uh, but I was kind of fixated on, there was kind of two moments that it all came together. Uh, we were working, I was working on the, the set of Rush Hour 2 and we were filming uh, this, this action sequence on a boat in Hong Kong Harbor. And so when you're on a boat, there's not much you can do. You just kind of stow away somewhere uh, where you're out of the way and just let the people who are actually like really involved in that work, you know, do their work. And so I was sitting on top, like on the on the fly deck, watching below, and I was watching Jackie Chan block out a fight scene in that Jackie Chan style, you know, action. And I was just thinking, wouldn't it be cool if there was a bad guy that made use of that Jackie Chan style action where, you know, he doesn't have a weapon ever. He just makes use of whatever's, you know, in his immediate vicinity. And so I love that style of action. And then at the same time, I was playing around with this just caveman epiphany like hey if you switch these two letters around you get santa you get satan and so i just merged those two ideas together and again when you're on a film set there's a lot of downtime so i started to write out this kind of crazy stupid scene and that was the very first scene of the movie um and so that's kind of where it started to take off just fusing those two things together Awesome. So, uh, you know, obviously this was, you know, we were kind of shocked when we we looked up your IMDb after we reviewed the movie and saw that this was literally your only writing and directing credit. Um, so, you know, what was the experience like being uh, in in the director's chair? It's it's crazy. Uh, I mean, I I had I had seen it before because I had worked for a director, and so I got to see everything from like the inception of an idea all the way through the world press junket. So I was familiar with everything that goes into a film and filmmaking and the process that's that happens off the set as well. But there's another thing when you're actually in the director's chair, because, you know, everybody's coming to you for an answer. And you have it's a ticking time clock where you have to make your day, especially on a low budget film. Otherwise, there are really no second chances. You just don't shoot it and you learn to live without it. So you get, you know, you, you have to, it forces you to be very creative. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, if you had, if you had the, the resources of a big budget film, uh, you know, you would take your time and block it out and then do a couple of times. And it's just like, no, this is just like run and gun. And sometimes we would just like stack two cameras back to back just for coverage. So it's like, you just have to do whatever you can. And, you know, as you probably know, action takes longer to shoot than, you know, just dialogue. So those action sequences that we had, even though they were small, they chewed up a lot of time because you have to get a lot of coverage and just do a lot of different things. So it was always trying to, to be one step ahead, which was difficult, uh, you know, giving everybody what the, the answers and, and you know, uh, what they needed so that they could do their roles. And there's always things that you hadn't thought about before. And so it's like, oh my gosh, let me think about this. And, and, and then of course you've got actors coming at you and like asking questions and, um, so it's, it is, it's, it's crazy. And you're living in this constant, uh, you know, sprint, sprint, sprint. So it's like, oh, this scene's not working. Um, 
you know, how do we, how do I adjust this in the evening? So you're going home and you're writing it to making sure that works. And it's like, oh, we can't shoot here now. We have to do this. So you're rearranging everything. So it is kind of nuts. And then it's just that there's challenges that, that come with being a first time director, of course. So they always say, don't work with animals. Don't work with water. Don't work with children. And I kind of had all those to some degree, uh, you know, it was frozen water, but whatever works. Um, and, it, you know, in, in, in that film, and it was just like, you could see why they would say to avoid all you know, those things. So it was absolutely nuts. Uh, it was ex an experience that, um, you know, I really treasured. Uh, I, it, it's hard to, to get that anywhere else. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Now, did, did you ever have any sort of, uh, I guess, reservations, never, you know, directing before, you know, did, did you kind of think about like looking for other directors or was this sort of like always your baby and you were like, I'm directing this one. So I didn't really have time to think about it in a way because it came about in such a, such a strange way. I, I was on a, a long flight. I think we were doing the press junket for, uh, was either I'm trying to think if it was Family Man, Rush Hour Two, or even Red Dragon. I think it was Family Man, and we I was on with my boss on a long flight. Uh, I pitched him this idea. So no, it, it was it was Rush Hour. It was Rush Hour. Sorry, it doesn't matter. So I was on the I was on this long flight, and I pitched him this idea, like this Santa thing, because a couple members of the crew thought it was really funny. So I thought, oh, you know, and that was it. And almost a year had gone by and he was at a party with Roger Corman. And he called me from that party with Roger Corman and Roger Corman said, Hey, I love the name of this. I think it's a great idea. I'd love to make it. Do you want to direct it? I'd never thought about directing at that point, but I knew that that opportunity might never come up again. So I said, yes. You know, but the, everything slowed down for that second I was on the phone because, it, you know, it was like, this is it. This is the only chance you might ever get. You know, and I'm I'm a person that that for better, for worse, jumps in with both feet and doesn't, you know, I, I should think further ahead. And I don't always. And I was like, yes. And then I also thought like it was scary and you've got imposter syndrome and all this. But I was also thinking I wrote the material, so I should know it, you know, better than anybody else. Um, so yeah, so there was, there was the hesitation for a second, but I knew it's just like, I, you know, I, I, now it's now or never. That's awesome. When it, when it comes to your, your title character, Santa, did you always have Goldberg in mind or was that like no. a long casting process? How'd that work out? Cause that's so, like gotta be daunting to have that man standing in front of you. So initially I was thinking of somebody like, you know, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Like, oh, this is a great role for you, James Gandolfini or, you know, Robbie Coltrane. But that's who I had in mind is some big hulking person with a large presence, you know, and I thought in my head, it felt like Hagrid would be your Santa. And then I had, uh, I have a really good buddy who was actually worked on the, on the set. Uh, and we had worked, he was a production assistant on a couple um, films I'd worked on. And he was a major wrestling fan. And he had asked me, um, hey, I, I think Raw was, was in town in LA. And he's like, would you like to go to Raw? Uh, I have backstage, you know, I can get us backstage. And for me, 
I'll go anywhere backstage. Like you could have, you know, Disney on ice, whatever it is. Like if you have this access that you normally wouldn't get, it's going to be cool. And so we go into the, the service entrance to Staples Center back in the day. Now it's crypto. Um, and the first thing I see, and I grew up a wrestling fan, and you might appreciate this, uh, you know, uh, Joe, because um, I grew up, uh, I loved Southwest wrestling, Texas. So it was like back in the day, it was the Von Erics and, and, you know, all these traveling, like uh, uh, crazy guys from Georgia that would come in the Freebirds and all this stuff. So I, wrestling was in my DNA growing up. And I see like Ric Flair, the very first thing I see is here's the nature boy. And he's shaving his chest with this disposable pink Bic razor. And he's getting oiled up by like two assistants, you know, and they're just spraying like oil on him. And, you know, and you see the circus. It is crazy. Like, you know, heels that are friends with the good guys. And they're watching on the monitor outside to see what the front of the house looks like. And just this crazy circus of everything and props and wardrobe and all this stuff. And I was just like, whoa. And I, to be fair, I had fallen out of wrestling and, and, you know, I had that, like that whole WWF kind of thing. And then I kind of went away. And so, uh, seeing all this stuff backstage, uh, we go to the, he had seats ringside too. So we go there, uh, sit down and all of a sudden the, the crowd stands up and starts going Goldberg, Goldberg, Goldberg. I, I had kind of on the periphery knew about him, but I didn't know about him. Like I actually saw him on the cover of a magazine. Um, you know, and so he was kind of in my, in my head, but then to actually see this and see the crowd respond. So I'm watching him in the ring and I'm like, in my head, I was like, well, does the Senate have to be like fat? Like, could he, what if he was like jacked up this guy? Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I'd never seen like, I mean, there was Hulk Hogan. So he had done Santa with muscles before, but just the, in the present day Santa, that's not what you think about. And I'm like, man, Santa would be scary if he was like this and so I just started to think about it and uh we spoke to Goldberg after we were backstage and my my buddy Josh is Josh Gallegos and and uh he ended up being Goldberg's assistant um but he'll talk to anybody and just kind of just a great person that always connects people and um Goldberg and had invited us to join him for dinner that evening and it was this crazy cast of you know it was um uh Mr. Belding from Saved by the Bell, and I, I apologize, I forgot his name, and um, 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 David Arquette. <laughs> and so we, right? It's just, so we're going. How, how does that even get like organized? Because <laughs> they were all there to, you know, Jeez. to watch wrestling, and Goldberg had a relationship with them. And so we went to the Palms restaurant, which is right across from Staples Center. And so here we are, just sitting down, and I'm like a fly on the wall. And I went and did this total kind of BS Hollywood move, which I, I, as it was coming out of my mouth, I couldn't believe it, but it was like, I might have a part for you, <laughs> you know? How would you like to, and I kind of pitched him. So he's like, okay, so let me get this right. So I'm Jewish, I get to play Santa and kill people. And he's like, oh, I'm in man, you know? And so one of the things that, um, that, that uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, gosh. Uh, that I was told was, you know, if you, uh, sorry, I'm blanking on, I'm, um, ah. No, it's all good. I mean, obviously yeah. that was like 100% well, the right call well, to get him on there. And what happened even further was we made a one sheet, right? So it was like, um, if you come up with a name, 
of a title, right? And it resonated with people. The next thing was if you make uh, the one sheet, right? And that would be the step further. So we mocked up a one sheet and it had Goldberg as Santa. Uh, I think Josh or I had another friend also, they were working on the set of, I think it was Spider-Man 2. And Goldberg was on there as like a day player. And so they got me on the set. And so I came and showed Goldberg the one sheet. He's like, I'm in, tell me where to sign. That's it. And so that was like the final, like the pitch. And then, you know, uh, the wrap up and Goldberg was in and he was the first person and it was a little non-traditional, but everybody kind of like, yeah, okay, that's cool. He's WWE has got a big following. This is like, sounds good. Yeah. I mean, that's like a wild turn of events, having all those people. And like I said, it's clearly the right choice because he was the shining point in that movie. Every time he's on screen, you're like, what the hell is he going to do next? Um, and like, speaking of scenes, was there, besides the strip club, we all know that's your favorite scene shooting. Was there other favorite scene that just pops up to you every time you think about the movie? Strip club was crazy. <laughs> and, and for a couple reasons. One, I wanted a strip club, not just because I'm some pervy dude, but um, my grandfather owned a strip club. And so I grew up in one and I just thought, I don't know, it was kind of like a weird homage, you know, in a weird way, but like, uh, that was the name of his club was gold diggers. And so that's, that was my thing. And like, that was, you know, uh, and the one thing that was difficult about that was you can't pay a stripper enough to make it worth their while. Right. It's just like strippers make way more than day players would make or extras or featured extras. And so to get them to stay, cause we actually tried to hire servers. Cause like, of course they're more, at least they're comfortable the idea is not foreign to them that they would have to take off their, you know, clothes. Um, but like, they were like, Hey, I can give you this. I can give you two hours. I can give you three hours. So it was mixing kind of stunt people with, um, you know, actual strippers. And it was like, Oh, it was difficult because they were leaving and they're like, yeah, I, I can't you know, stay all day. And so what's funny is uh, the, the, the stunt person on the swing part ended up being Goldberg's wife. He met her. That's how they met. And it was a very like awkward first encounter, right? It's like, cause he's got his head buried in between her legs the entire for that day. And they became friendly. And I think, I mean, it was like, that was, you never know where you're going to meet that perfect someone in what position. And, and uh, so she's a, she was an awesome stunt person. Her name is Wanda. And, and now she's, uh, you know, Mrs. Goldberg for probably I don't even know now 15 years or something they have a son that's got to be like 15 or 16 and yeah it's like you, you never know so uh but okay so was there a scene that um that that sticks in my mind like that gosh uh you know it, it was fun to be in the ice rink um with the zamboni uh, it was, it was cold. I mean, all of them have some kind of, you know, weird memory that goes along with it and, and some different challenge. Um, maybe anything with the, the hell deer, because those were, they were wild cards. Cause you know, I mean, it's a bison, right? And so, uh, we had one that was just scared of Goldberg's voice. So in that driveway, that back alley, when, you know, he came running through, whenever you hear Goldberg's Goldberg's voice, he would take off. And so here you've got the crew, like trying to chase after a bison, you know, which is, is hysterical in a way, 
not not at the time um but anything that involved the bison was kind of funny we had two actually there was a bison and a stunt bison okay the my top memory this this was nuts we we had a couple days of stage work um and yeah there was the opening scene which was a whole crazy challenge and if i told you about it your probably jaw would drop but we had one where we had to shoot some green screen and we had the poor bison uh in a harness and we lifted him 15 feet off the ground with the sleigh behind him and, and Santa's in the sleigh. Cause you had to do that to get, you know, you know, and so we had to get like the camera underneath to look like he was flying. So you could do about 15 seconds and that's it because of the weight of the bison before they got uncomfortable. We had, you know, um, PETA was a bit, you know, on set and all that just, I couldn't believe we were pulling this off anyway. And then I was like trying to convince our DP, yeah, just just do a run underneath where you're going underneath them and all this stuff. And but just when you you take a step back and you're like, oh my gosh, we've got a bison up in the air with a green screen. There's fans blowing, and here's this Santa and a sleigh behind them. And it's just like you're like, this is making movies. This is nuts. Like you would never see something like that. And so every time I look at that picture, I'm like, that that to me is the craziest part. We did that opening scene and, you know, that, that was big because this was like the, the, you know, as far as actors go, this was the, the biggest names I ever had together in a room directing one time. It's like, you know, James Kahn's there, Fran Drescher, Chris Kattan. And so you have all these, you know, actors that have certainly done larger things than Santa Slay, and, but they're there. But what was crazy was we didn't have Goldberg on that day. So Goldberg had, um, he had sliced open his hand. Uh, I think he was, it was, I think it was during a wrestling match or something and it got infected so much so that he had to go to the hospital. And so that day of shooting, which is arguably like my biggest day of shooting, cause it's the, I got one day in LA on stage and this was it where we're calling in all our favors and he's not available. And so we had to find a double, a stunt double for Goldberg, which is impossible. Like you can't find somebody just off the street that doubles him. So we had to shoot with a body double and then do it in a way so that you couldn't really tell it wasn't Goldberg and then go back and shoot Goldberg in the scene without the actors that were there. So those were one of those challenges. Like it would have been challenging had I been a seasoned director, but to be a first time, like that was like just another one of those things like, well, let's just roll with it and see what we can do. Yeah, you never would have guessed that, honestly, that that went so rough because watch gosh. it in slow motion then you'll start to see like <laughs> is that Goldberg no you know that, that doesn't look like him it's uh so and and uh you know James Conn busy guy I think he was shooting Las Vegas at the time the tv show and you know he was late mm. uh and then he wanted to to drop out of the film because <laughs> I don't think he actually read the script and then again night before he was going to pull out he's like he just calls he's like there's a lot of swearing in this for a santa film and i'm like so i had to go over his house and beg him like look we need you at this point we can't you're like this is my one day to shoot in la you got to so he's like fine but you're going to shoot me out first again oh my gosh that was like another thing like how are we going to block this out so we've got james Conn, and then he was late and he had to leave earlier so really just, it was like an accelerated timetable to, to try and figure this all out. It was like, 
it was mayhem yeah that's insane like i can't imagine um for my last one is you gotta tell me you took some souvenirs from set and you have them in your house and every time someone comes over you're like yep that's a santa sleigh uh whatever hat or candlestick whatever heck so i took everything everything i could uh and i just got this because almost every director i'd been around also take took their props or whatever and so i definitely took as much as i could um i had the sleigh the sleigh was in my garage for at least 13 years and my wife's like like come on don't you want to pull a car in or just something you know and so finally we were moving and i'm like oh i gotta move this to you know next place how's this gonna happen so i actually i called wanda uh bill's wife and she surprised him with the sleigh um which is pretty cool so he has the sleigh now and i mean look he's got a monster garage anyway so i'm sure it's somewhere in there i have almost every other prop um in my garage <laughs> i feel now, like now you, have enough for this, you have enough for the sequel you got the sleigh already let's, let's I do it a, I, a, I sent him some of his suit um but we still have a lot of that. We've got, I've got all like the Buffalo gear, the bison gear, uh, the book of claws, like all these, the, all the props that grandpa made, the crazy weird inventions and stuff. I don't have a snowmobile. Um, I really wish I could have taken home. I think it was like a old Lincoln continental that the old lady got mowed off the road or one of the Ford F one fifties. But, um, yeah, I mean, I took as much as I possibly could and, just in some big Tupperware things in my garage right now. Um, I, I love the story of how you got Goldberg for it, but the rest of the cast is really impressive for this movie. Uh, not only the names that you mentioned from that first scene, but also you know Douglas Smith, Emily DeRavin, uh, Dave Thomas, which is like a Canadian legend. Um, how how was the casting process to get all these really like great people involved in this film? It was it was you know all of it was different. Um, I'll tell you one thing, especially, you know, being in Canada, you might appreciate this. We got to shoot on the stage of SCTV, the one in Edmonton. So kind of that second wave. That's awesome. And so I'm a huge SNL freak, but also a huge SCTV freak. So Chris Kattan kind of checked that box for SNL, but Dave Thomas for SCTV. And then just to think about everything, you know, I mean, we're talking strange brew. We're talking... 12 days of Christmas. Yeah, I mean, just everything that's Dave Thomas. So um, yeah, Emily, uh, she was, she had just finished, um, got a, a really great film. And I'm, I think it was Ryan Johnson that directed, I can't remember right now, but it was- Was that Brick, it, maybe? Brick, thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you, yes. I mean, my memory is like just gone, but, um, and she was fantastic. And I was surprised that, um, you know, she was even available in that sense. Uh, and our one, our, our, one of our producers saw that casting tape and was like, Emily, you know, Emily DeRaven, gotta get her. She's amazing. And what blew me away uh, was after I met her for audition and all that, um, she had done it a couple of times. And it was only after that I realized she was Australian. I, she didn't even, I didn't even hear the accent at first. She never, you know, she put on a 
an American accent. And I was trying to actually have her do a Boston accent initially, because uh, that part was supposed to be written like uh, a kind of a, a Rachel Dratch type um, character from like, you know, the, those, the Jimmy Fallon sketches. Um, uh, what was difficult about some of the casting, especially for like the male part was, this was, we were competing with TV season. And most of the actors that would be kind of those up and comers were already booked. So there was an insane amount of names and people that we were able to see um, come through casting. But, you know, Doug uh, was great because he just felt really vulnerable and he was young and just like, he almost felt like that right person. I think I had something like a gremlins in mind and he just reminded me of that kind of character. Um, Robert Culp, like there was a couple, um, Similar, I, I think initially I, I, I tried to get like, a, I think it's Dominic Chianese from The Sopranos. And he was, we were going back and forth and he was close. We just couldn't afford him. Um, but there were, there were, you'd be surprised at some of the names like that were kind of in that, that sphere. Uh, Hal Linden from like Barney Miller. Uh, you know, these were all people who were potentially available. Um, I think even Ed Asner, I think when push comes to shove though, when you really read the script, they might've changed, but when Robert Culp was there, I was like, really? We can get Robert Culp? Um, because I, I remember like him with Bill Cosby. I remember him as the, on the Greatest American Hero. Um, he was an actor. And he actually pushed me way outside of my comfort zone because the only thing I had seen as far as directing was you look at the monitors at Video Village and you direct that way. And he's like, that doesn't work for me. I would rather you stand next to the camera and tell me. And so that was a different experience because I didn't get to see what was going to be the look of the camera I just had to go purely on you know did this feel like the right performance and that's what he needed so I learned that you know you have to kind of be different for each different actor it's kind of like being a coach I guess um uh let me think who else um some of the people like Tiny Lister was a, a favor but to get Zeus in there was just you know I was so happy just that we could he would fly up for the day to do that and that was a relationship through one of our producers um uh Sal Rubinek was a favor because I'd worked with him on a couple films and I asked him like could you please and and he was happy to do it and that was just like Sal's an amazing actor um trying to think of of uh you know a lot of them were were people that I had met uh on other films and and favors to you know different producers or whatever um, and there were different names that were there. They just happened to fall out. And then at the end, I, I knew Rebecca Gayhart was going to be the first person that I would ever, you know, engage in this because she was my old boss's girlfriend. And I just was friends with her. And, and it's like, it, I knew if, if this opportunity ever came up, she would definitely do it. And so just, it was fun to have her there. Um, it, everything just kind of came together through relationships or through different favors. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was blessed with that. And then we found some great uh, character actors just, you know, in Edmonton. Edmonton has a surprisingly vibrant um, acting community and they have a very talented uh, crew because they had done all of these kind of like low budget horrors or, or TV shows that would come up. So I think most of the crew that I got had come off of a Canadian uh, kind of cult classic called Ginger Snaps. Um, so they were all there and, and they put more value into what, you know, you ever imagined was possible. Um, and 
the production designer, Todd Chernowski. Now I see his credits on, um, you know, a lot of the, the Star Wars universe uh, shows that, you know, are now on Disney Plus. He's doing the production design there. It was a talented crew. We're just lucky. And the cast was awesome. Um, you know, so it was just, yeah, each of them kind of had their own story how they got there, but it, it, it all worked out. Awesome. Um, one thing I'm really curious about is uh, the majority of the people involved in this film are Jewish. So why a Christmas movie? I'm really curious of all the things to do because I always found that there's little like Jewish representation of like Hanukkah and things like that on screen. So why a Christmas film? I'm just curious about that. Well, um, I guess it's like David Chappelle says, no, there's a lot. Of, uh, I, I tell my wife this, my kids, um, nobody loves Christmas more than Jewish people, right? Is this like, we have Hanukkah, you know, it's okay, but it's not Christmas. There's, what is there, two Hanukkah songs? How many Christmas songs can you count? Like, it is the spirit, everything. It's just like, we love Christmas. Um, for me, it was, it was Gremlins, it was Rankin Bass, it was all those things that you grew up with and I wanted to see, oh, how could we infuse this or infuse that? Um, Part of it was just luck, like it was Goldberg. And, you know, so he liked the idea of a Jew getting to play a killer Santa Claus. Um, you know, a couple of the cast members, like Saul Rubinek and stuff, it was uh, Chris Kattan just happened that way. Uh, producers, uh, relationships, it just, just happened. <laughs> so, um, but again, I would argue, we just love Christmas. Awesome. And and one more, and this is the Canadian in me that has to ask, why curling of all the like different uh, ways that you can kind of end this movie with the, the big bet? Why not, right? I mean, <laughs> if we can expose people to the wonderful sport of curling. No, um, it felt very regional. It felt very where we were. Uh, there was a lot of hey, when you, once you start digging into curling, there's a lot of things you don't realize. Like, hey, this stone has to come from this quarry over here. But uh, it just felt like a, like a silly way for something to be decided. Uh, when we were shooting that kind of Rankin-Bass sequence, <laughs> it just was fun. Um, and it just seemed absurd, you know? So I don't know. I think it was uh, maybe a nod to the environment that we were in. So, nice. Yeah, let's curl. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so, I, I guess uh, just to start wrapping things up, um, you know, what was your, uh, you know, the initial reaction when it released? And, you know, it's really over the years has really taken a, a quite a cult classic following. You know, what what was your reaction to that? You know, I, I it was it was strange because. Um, Lionsgate uh, purchased it right away. And so in my head, I was like, oh, this is great. We're going to get to do a festival or something like that. And they had immediately sold it to Spike TV at the time. And so Spike got the premiere. And it was actually, it came out, I think, during October, uh, right during the Halloween season. And there was a weird gambling kind of a night where it was, I think it was like Big Pussy from, uh, the Sopranos, who was, uh, you know, kind of the host, and then they were showing the film. So it was like this weird anticlimactic like debut. And so 
the only time that I actually saw, like got to see a physical screening was during a test audience. Um, somewhere it was in the Inland Empire out here in California. And um, what, was, what was weird for me was that I was sitting there and I was watching people react to this film and every place that, that you wanted someone to laugh, they did. And you know, it was like the reactions were there, but the scores didn't match what felt like, you know, what 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 you had heard in the room. And so I think it's hard to mix genres, right? It's like, what do we have? Is this going to do well? It's like a it's a horror, it's a comedy. Do we market it as like a, a a slasher film? You know, some posters that they were taking look like a straight up slasher film, and that felt like it was misrepresented. You know, it's like really a dark comedy. If you go in for straight up gore or horror, you're going to be disappointed because it's campy. And that's what it was, you know? Um, and so I think it was, it was, it's tough. And so it, it, people are pleasantly surprised if it's not on their radar, but if they think it's going to be, you know, something like uh, uh, rare exports or, um, you know, saw or something, they're not going to get that. Uh, so you have to go in there as like, oh man, I'm over the Christmas season or all this different stuff. It's just a different kind of take. And I think it's very anti-Christmas in a way uh, that people like it. Like it checks this box because it's not all like, you know, rosy and happy, but there are elements of that. Um, I will say that, you know, because of budget and time, we actually had to develop more of like a relationship story because we, we had to cut out a couple different action sequences or sequences along the way. So you had to, you know, start to bring it together. Um, so, you know, I look at it and I know like there are things that I wish that we could have done or finished or doing this, but I also realized we, we did a lot in the short amount of time and with the short resources that we had. Um, so it's always a little bittersweet for me. And then usually it's always, you know, when you see it, it's like, oh, oh the, the top, X films, it's so bad, it's good, or, you know, like those kind of things. And that's okay. Like, I just happy to be out there. And what's interesting now is I see the new David Harbour film. And that, when I first saw the poster, that was our original poster, except uh, it was, you know, Goldberg's face. Um, and I think his candy cane was is like on fire at the end. But ours was like, you know, whittled down to a point where it was like a, like a knife or something like a dagger. But it was, I saw that and I thought, oh my God. And I had friends that called me that were involved in that. And they're like, this is your poster, you know? And it, so it's just kind of now that that's out there and I'm sure like, look, it's not a, of course, that's where you're going to go. So it's not like anybody ripped anything off. It's just, you know, creative happenstance. Um, but to see, uh, you know, that, and then, and then Santa Slay is kind of brought up again because of another Christmas horror film. It's, it's fun. I'm glad it's out there. Um, you know, I, I like to see the positive stuff. Nobody likes to see the negative stuff, but you kind of learn to, to roll with it. And at the end of the day, it's like, I got this great experience uh, and memory that um, like, you know, it's, it, it'll stay with me. Absolutely. Well, I think that's, I mean, probably the perfect place uh, to leave off. Um, I guess besides, you know, did you ever write a script for a part two? Was there ever like, was it ever in consideration? So we had it, uh, we, we have an outline, we had an outline and there'd been iterations like, oh, let's make this, let's finance it, let's do this. And, you know, then life happens and things change. Like, you know, you become a parent, you've got a different job, whatever that is. It's like hard just to stop and, and to do that. Um, and 
you know, after after Santa Slay, I had taken on uh, a project where we are we're adapting a comic book, um, and it was, it was awesome. It just just didn't get traction, um, but it was like it was a kung fu zombie uh, mashup, which I think would do actually really well today, especially with the different formats that are available on you know streaming and TV. Um, but I think that just you know kind of you know you can get burned out working on projects, and especially if they they say that your first film is is hard like one of the hardest things to do and then you hear actually it's your second you know can you get that second opportunity um and so yeah we we had we had some you know a lot of ideas like you know santa sack whatever there's a lot a bunch of different things and and we were playing around with like some of those uh a lot of different kind of scary ideas uh but yeah i don't know i don't know goldberg's game he said Awesome. He, well, <laughs> he, he kind of did that. Uh, if you saw that Dodge commercial where he was, there was a Dodge commercial where he was, I think, promoting the Hellcat. He was, he brought the Santa suit back on and all that. And I'm like, oh, hmm, nice. that, maybe that's the sequel. Well, you know, like you just mentioned with that D David Harbor, uh, the Violent Night movie that just came out, now might be the perfect time for to give Goldberg a ring and now uh, let's let's get a Santa Slay 2 made. I'm, I think there's a enough uh, fans out there, horror fans, that would gladly probably crowdfund it too so you know say, like i'm backing <laughs> right now if you put that there so. <laughs> right, yeah absolutely um but david it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on tonight um we absolutely appreciate it all right Sweet. thank you so much david it was it was a pleasure it was absolutely. really fun talking to you thank, thank you. you very Great much meeting you guys thank you so much. Okay. have a good one see bye. You, everybody bye, bye.